You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and happy new year to you all. So good to be back in church and to, and to see you all. Um, so a couple of nights uh, ago, uh, I was awoken. Uh, now, I want to say by supernatural means, by God, but it's actually the fact that I woke up and four people were in my bed. <laughs> the good news is one of them was my wife. And uh, the other two were my, uh, two of my youngest children. And uh, as I laid there, I uh, felt very uncomfortable, back sore. Uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, which is just typical of God because he always waits to the last minute, doesn't he? Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of sharing with uh, the leaders of Jubilee Church in Hull. And uh, they came and had a day here and I was able to share with them. And so again, that was really timely because some of the stuff I shared with them is, is what I want to share with, with you. And in my mind's eye, as I laid there, I, I saw the words New Year. And uh, I saw the word year, and then I saw the letter Y taken away and left with the rest of the word. And there was two things out of that that I felt like God almost wanted to announce to us as a, as a church. The first thing is this, is that this isn't just the beginning of a new year, but I believe this is the beginning of a new era as a church. And it's interesting as well, the, I haven't got time to go into this now in terms of Joni and I's story, personal story, but the number three is very significant in terms of how God has spoken to us prophetically over a number of years. And uh, this is actually the 30th year we celebrate as, as a church this year. And it's uh, the completion of the third year since Joni and I took on the church and we've gone through a transition. And I really felt like God wanted to announce to us that this isn't just the beginning of a new year, but actually this is a brand new era for the church that we're stepping into. And then I saw um, the word again, and it wasn't all jumbled up. It was just the rest of the, the word with the Y taken out, and that was the word ear. And this was really, really important. Because in order to step into the new era, I felt like God was saying that they that have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, let them hear. And this was the words of Jesus to the churches in the book of Revelation, that it's really super important that we have a listening ear, that we're leaning into what God is saying to his church. And that is one of the reasons that we've uh, providentially set aside uh, the next month, six weeks, just to lean in, to listen, and to seek God, and to seek his face, and to pray, and to tarry, and say, God, what are you saying? Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. One of the things that I sense that God is saying to his church is that he wants to reawaken uh, a dream again for revival. And the thing about revival is this, is that revival is... Um, is all about what God wants to do, not what we tell him we want him to do. The moment we start to put language too often and start to manage and control and have certain expectations about what God will do in our miss is the moment revival ceases to be a revival. 
Because the whole idea of a revival, which is an extraordinary move of God's spirits and a greater awareness of God's presence and power, not just in the church, but in the city and in the culture, in our communities, amongst our neighbors. We're going, we're very greedy in the vineyard. We're going after everything. And um, our focus has got to be not putting God in a box and saying, God, we expect you to do A, B, and C, and one, two, three, but actually, God, we're committed just to say, whatever you want, we're in. Over the years, God has moved in terms of reformations and revivals and renaissances in various ways. There's been holiness revivals, there's been justice revivals, there's been church planting revivals, there's been revivals awakening uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural and miracles. And yeah, we want all of those things. But the most important thing is saying, God, in our time, and in our day to the whole Vineyard Church and our city, the great city of Hull, what are you saying to us? That's the most important thing. We just want to borrow, as it were, from Saul's armor and just try and copy what someone else is doing. We want to be inspired by other people, but actually we're, we want to say, God, what are you saying to us? We want to be absolutely dependent and trusting and listening to what you have to say. But I think the first posture that we need to have as a church is one of dreaming again. I really believe that the turbulence of the last three years has meant that for much of the church is that we've ceased to dream again. The reality is, is that when we um, experience turbulence, when we experience Uh, difficulty and trouble like we've had with COVID, like we've had with the cost of living crisis and wars and rumors of wars and all our personal battles that we're going through, is that we stop dreaming and we stop having ambition and we resort to the past. We resort to nostalgia. We resort to logic We try and manage life, don't we? We're just trying to get by. I don't know what your dream was stepping into 2023. Maybe it was just like, I just need to survive. And do you know what? That's absolutely okay if that's where you're at. But I want to encourage you and exhort you this year to lift your head up once again and to begin to dream to begin to have ambition. And in the church, the word ambition has often been seen as, no, we shouldn't have ambition. And there's such a thing as holy ambition and there's such a thing as unholy ambition. Unholy ambition is usually when it's about our recognition or we try and dominate in order to achieve a certain thing. That is a wrong ambition. But there's a holy ambition In fact, if I was to go around the room today and ask you, what is your ambition for this year and for your life? Actually, what you would tell me would communicate, A, how big your vision of God is, and also the vision of your life and how big that is. It will also tell me how hungry you are and what you're hungry for in terms of this year. 
If we want to be a people that are completely and utterly sold out and hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit, then that will be in our heart, in our mind, in our emotions, in our activities, our actions, our speech, everything will be about I am all in for this. This is my dream. This is my ambition. This is my longing. This is my ache. This is my complaint. I want to see God move in a greater measure. We're so thankful, aren't we, as a church for all that God is doing. We don't underestimate all the things that he's doing, but Lord, we're hungry for more. We know there is more. There are more people to be reached for Jesus. There are more people to be helped who are marginalized. There are more hungry people to be fed. There are more sick people that need to be healed. There are more marriages that needed to be restored. There are more kids that need to come home and come back to Jesus. What is the thing that drives you? What is the thing that gives you and causes you to cry and weep? That is an indicator to your ambition and your longing and your dream. And I know some of you have been so difficult these last few years, such turbulence in your life. I want you to catch the whisper of the Holy Spirit, say, look, it's time to dream again. Some of you maybe don't want to, you don't want to dream in case you're disappointed again. The longing of God's heart is that please begin to dream in faith again. I love the, um, those verses in Ephesians chapter three, where it says this, now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And Jory says in the message, it says far more than you could ever guess or request in your wildest dreams. So far beyond anything you could ever guess or was ever in your wildest dreams, whatever that is, Double it. When we come to pray tomorrow, let's really shoot for the impossible. Let's shoot for the miraculous. Whatever is in your heart to see, whatever you can see, just go again. Just lift your head a little bit more. Just gaze a little bit longer into the heart of God and see what he has for you. I really believe, church, I know it's so cliche, but I really believe the best is yet to come for us. The best is yet to come for us as a church. Charles Finney said it best. God is one pent-up revival. And so our focus isn't so much, God, what is the result? What does revival look like in our midst? But I think the most important thing is how can we as a people position ourselves and posture ourselves ready to receive all that God has for us? That's the thing that should concern us the most. Not the result, not trying to put God in a box, but actually the process of preparation. I think it was said best in Joshua 3, Verse five, consecrate yourselves today. Our job is to consecrate, to 
be set apart, to prepare today for tomorrow, God will do amazing things. I really believe there's something in the heart of God. It's kind of like a farmer who is is that faith as he sows seed that he will, due time, the right season, reap a harvest. He's looking for, in the church, not for people to wait to see results before they do something, but actually, like a farmer, begin to sow seed of preparation. Sow seeds of consecration to sow seeds of being positioned and a posture and a focus that will prepare us for all that God has for us. I really believe that everything that we've seen thus far as a church has been often the direct result of seeds sown in preparation for all that we've got. I really think God honours that kind of in-faith preparation. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to give you six ways that I believe that we as a church, this week three personal, and then next week three corporate, six ways that I believe God is asking us to position ourselves ready for all that he has for us. The first thing is to focus on the now. Focus on the now. Focus on the present. And in that, if you break that down, is to focus on the how, not the what. And it's back to this whole idea of not focusing as individuals on the results, but actually to focus on the process. The reality is, and don't you find this with New Year's resolutions, the moment that you focus on results, we quit when we don't see progress quick enough. The moment you don't see at the gym, whose New Year's resolution is to go to the gym? Three of you, okay. (laughs) It's a safe place to church, to be honest and talk about these things. And you know, you go to the gym and you walk on that treadmill three times a week and you go on the scales and you've gained two pounds. (laughs) And you just think, what is the point? And you give up and you have an identity crisis. You sabotage yourself because we link our identity to our actions. Or you go, do you know what? I'm going to read the Bible app, Bible in one year, all week. And you get to day seven and it's church day. And all you do is you yell at the kids on the way to church. And you think, I've done seven days in the Bible And you think, what is the point? Or you have, and I'm just talking about me personally, you have that box of chocolates. And it's like, hey, because it's the flip side, isn't it? You have the box of chocolates and you think, hey, nobody can tell any different. I can't tell any different. I still think I look great. Or you play video games on the Xbox. Any husbands out there play Xbox games? for three hours and you think, well, the wife hasn't left yet. We'll just keep going. (laughs) And we wrongly conclude that good decisions daily don't matter. And we wrongly conclude that small, bad, wrong decisions don't matter. And that's because we're wired to focus on results, not process. So I want to encourage you to 
focus this year much more on systems and process and journey rather than goals and results. So let's bring it back to revival. God, we're, we're shooting for revival. We're going to lift our gaze. We're going to dream again. We're going to go after some things, but we're not too concerned what it will look like. We want to be expectant that you will speak to us at any point and tell us what to do at any point, and we're completely and utterly in your hands, Lord. We're not going to put you in a box, but we're going to journey and process and posture and position ourselves and have a focus on the process, on the journey, on the systems. Our life is the sum total of all the small decisions that we make. The secret of our success is often in our daily routines and our decisions. Answering the question, how do you have a revival? Gypsy Smith replied, kneel down and with a piece of chalk, draw a complete circle all around you and pray to God to send revival on everything inside the circle and stay there until he answers and you'll have a revival. In other words, if you want to be concerned with what's happening out there, why start with you today? Draw a circle do you know, I was thinking about this. It wouldn't be wonderful that he did this in the Pensacola Revival in Florida. So people would bring photos of loved ones who didn't know Christ to the prayer meeting. I want to encourage you maybe to do that tomorrow. Just bring photos and get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm contending for these people in my world. But he starts with us and saying, Lord, rather than wagging my finger what's going on out there, I'm just going to start here. I'm going to start with my own daily decisions. I'm going to start with faithfully loving my husband and my wife, faithfully raising my children, faithfully turning up for work and giving it everything that I have and serving those above me. The money you give me, I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to be generous with it. Why do we start with those things and watch what God does with those seeds and how he multiplies that. And you start to see a revival in unexpected ways. Just start one thing at a time. We were really blessed, Joni and I, this, we were, this Christmas. We were given a KitchenAid. That's revival. <laughs> We've been praying for one for how long? Seven years? Believing God, contending, and we got one. And... It's amazing when you get something nice like that, you want to clean everything around it so it just stands like a, I don't know, a shrine. <laughs> um, and I said to Jeremy, I said, I'm going to reorganize the kitchen so that our KitchenAid can just stand there in all its glory. And... Um, it sounded a lot better in my head earlier on. And, uh, and so I'm like, but everything's just, look, real life, we're a family of six, it's chaos. And so like, where do I start? Got to move this, do that, organize that, clean this. 
And all he was was just do a little bit at a time. So to the right of the sink, take all that down, clean all that, reorganize that, get rid of that. Then go to the next bit, the next bit, the next bit. Because we needed space for our new air fryer as well. Because <laughs> I'm dreaming and doubling it again. And so one thing at a time, creating space for what God wants to bring into your life. Don't try and focus on doing it all at once. This is why Christians quit all the time. It's like, I've tried reading my Bible in a year. I've tried the prayer meetings. I've tried daily devotions. I've tried this, I've tried that. And we get through a week or two weeks and that's it. Please, I'm already a day behind on my Bible in one year. What are we, day eight? I'm already behind. That old Christian guilt starts to kick in. Come on, you're a pastor. You're useless. I'm going to reject all of that. The second thing, this is really important, is to focus forward. Focus forward this year. Before Christmas, I was really praying into this and I felt, if anything, if God gave me like a memory verse for us as a church this year, it would be from Luke 9. It says this, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In an age of distraction, how many of you know we're living in such an age of competing narratives and scripts and stories? Every single day you have a bombardment of noise and words and stories vying for our attention all the time. And the only way, the only way we as Christians are going to completely go after Christ and his cause and be sold out for the things of him and his kingdom, to go after the dream of revival, is to say no to competing stories and to have a single-mindedness, a focus on him. You can't do both and. I'm not a multitasker. My wife will tell you that. My staff will tell you that. But actually, even though you may be gifted at multitasking, nobody can concentrate and focus on more than one thing. You can do multiple things, but actually you can only ever concentrate and focus on one thing. And so if we're going to focus on the one thing we said yes to, then that means we're going to have to say no to other options. Elimination is a prerequisite to focus. So actually the question for us this year is if we want more of God, we've got to work out what does that mean in terms of what do I need less of? God's ready to move into those places that we create and those spaces that we create. Maybe it's not a permanent no, maybe it's just a present no to certain people and to certain things and to have boundaries in order to create focus and single-mindedness, which is so, so important this year. The temptation for us as a church, 
and this isn't a prophetic word, this is just common sense, the distraction in our world, the temptation for distraction in our world is gonna be so, so strong. And that's why the Bible says things like this throughout scripture, do not look to the left or to the right. Hebrews 12, keep your eyes fixed. Paul says, I press on towards, but one thing I do. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. Psalm 27, seek my face, and one thing I have asked for. One thing, one thing, and go for that. Don't try and do a hundred different things but just focus on the most important. The final focus is this, is to focus downwards. And I believe that in order to flourish and to fulfill all that God has for us, the church needs to dig deeper wells in order to create space for God to move. There's a guy called Rich Villadas, who has written a great book, I've forgotten the name of it to be honest, but it's a great book. And he uses the analogy in the, the, uh, of um, the story. I like to talk more about the film of the Titanic. Does anyone like the film Titanic? Okay. Uh, I don't like it either. Uh, <laughs> and this idea, as you see in the film, that um, those who were in the kind of third class down in the base of the ship. And then of course you've got those who are in first class, the top of the ship, enjoying fine dining, fine music, fine wine, all in their best clothes. And you've got the moment when they hit the iceberg and of course the water rushes in and it is all felt by those down below deck. Those upstairs don't have a clue that anything bad is happening. They're continuing to listening to the, the nice violins. They're continuing to eat their steak. And below them, the waters are coming in. There's chaos. And it's a picture of our generation and our culture and discipleship. In other words, we are being discipled constantly into superficiality. We're constantly discipled and pulled into focusing on things which are at the upper decks of our lives, the things which can be seen, not the things down below. Such things as social media, the Insta life. You look at somebody's Instagram and it's perfect. And you think, my life is not perfect and there's this gap, there's this chasm that's created, it fuels comparison and we end up being depressed, discouraged and our identity is eroded. Now friends, our entire culture, especially the emerging generation, especially our children, but also the church, is being discipled into a culture of superficiality where it is based on appearance not what is based on below. And you could draw the same parallel, can't you? The fact that they went into an iceberg and the fact that you only see 10% of an iceberg and 90% of it is below the surface. We need to build 
deeper. We need to dig deeper wells. Because what happens is that the, the winds of life and the storms of life come and we just get blown all over the place. I want to encourage you this year to make it a focus to focus more on the lower decks of your life. To not focus on what can be seen, but to focus on what is unseen. Some of the things and some of the ways that may help you in this, maybe is to pick up and accelerate in terms of reading well. To think about what you think about. To curate your social media use. To curate your life. Maybe some of your relationships to share when you're struggling, to embrace failure as a friend, to have good relationships that are healthy for you, to be wise in what you look at, to exercise, to eat well, to embrace balance. These simple things that you may not think are that spiritual, but actually they're really important. They're about creating routines and rhythms in our lives which are all forcing us to go deeper, and not to live life at a superficial, shallow point. If I was to sum up, one of the things I sense God may be saying to his church this year is the next photo. This is a guy in the States who is just mowing his lawn whilst a tornado is about a mile from his house. And you may think that doesn't look like revival to you, but I actually think it is. Is that where there are tornadoes and storms of life and hurricanes happening, maybe the one thing God may be saying to his church is just mow the lawn. Just mow the lawn. Just settle down, plant yourself, do the right thing because it's the right thing, show up because you need to show up, commit because you need to commit. Have integrity, love Jesus, love your spouse, love your kids, love your neighbors, pray for people, share the gospel, feed the poor. Just mow the lawn. And I tell you what, we're in such a world where the world and the church are just sinking like this, that there is no distinctiveness and there's no difference. And the reason the church globally does not see the power that we long for is because we have allowed idols in the church which has robbed us of that power. And the church needs to consecrate ourselves to get rid of those idols and to start to live like Christians again. And what will happen is if we live as normal Christians in a world which is so post-Christian, it's gone full circle, is now pre-Christian, is that you will find yourself being salt and light. You'll find yourself being asked by people at work in your neighborhood and at the gym, there's something different about you. You have a peace right now in a cost of living crisis. Why is that? You're just mowing the lawn. 
the hurricanes, the tornadoes all around us, but you're just mowing the lawn. It may not sound like revival, but I believe it is a call for stability. It's a call for courage. It's a call for holding fast and being faithful no matter what is going on. And I believe as we create space and focus on that, going up and down and up and down, and what does that mean for us? As we're just faithful and just turn up, then God starts to multiply those things. There's a bit of a virtual reality gap that's going on in the church where we get on our knees and we pray for a revival and yet the reality of our lives is we're not willing to be the answer to those prayers. I've known pastors and leaders and Christians in our city for 20 years who have faithfully say, Lord, do it again. Do it again in our time. And I believe that's the heart of God, but some of them refuse to change. Some of them refuse to do things differently. Some of them just want God to just zap everything, get his lightsaber out, does what he wants to do, and excludes me and my growth. I believe revival starts in our hearts. Before we start to take the land for Jesus, we need to allow the land in our own hearts to be taken up by Jesus. We want to be the difference. We want to exemplify the culture that we're trying to create. We want to be the change that we want to see. And so as we pray and as we seek God, let's also bring that into action and let's focus on these few things so that we can see God move in our midst. Why do you stand? Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And to stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.